Okay, do you want to put up that first? Everyone say it. But God, but God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you, God, that you want to speak into our hearts and into our lives this morning. And we just ask that God, uh, as our hearts have been prepared, that you would just drop seeds of your Holy Spirit in there that can be watered and that can produce real amazing fruit in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Most of you would have seen the pictures of utter devastation in Indonesia over the last uh, few weeks. Absolutely shocking. I mean, um, the reality is that there are thousands of people that have lost their lives. And uh, we see it every week on the TV and one of the things that happens to us after a while is that we get desensitized uh, to the problems that are happening overseas. And they, it's so, so different when you actually, actually go there, when you see it for yourself, uh, when you see the hardships that the people are going through. Uh, the reality is that we are living at a time that the Bible describes as being dangerous and difficult times of upheaval. For most of us, though, what concerns us is not what's happening on the international scene, but what's happening in our own private world. And one of the most encouraging two words that you'll ever find in the Bible is, but God. And usually those two words come after some pretty bad situational circumstances, uh, situations that seem utterly hopeless, and then, but God intervenes and works things for good. So this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about but God situations, and I want to talk about just three areas that we can expect God to intervene into our situation and circumstances. And the first of these uh, situations is in our salvation. In our salvation. Uh, there is a Muslim village in Africa that has something really, really unique about it. Everyone's last name is Bamba. Bamba. Uh, there are also only about 12 first names among the thousand people. So about 100 of them are, are named Moses Bamba. So imagine being the mailman in a situation like that, and you get a letter for Moses Bamba. Uh, you just haven't got a show, have you, of getting the stuff there? But Bamba is their word for crocodile. And their belief is that if they fall into the river... They can protect themselves with this name by telling the crocodile that their name is Bamba. The crocodile is expected not to eat them because they are announcing that they are a relative. And we laugh. The name Bamba doesn't really save. But all who call on the name of Jesus Christ and believe in him will be saved, will be saved. And one of the greatest but God verses in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And I want to read that to us this morning from the um, New Living Translation. It says this, 
Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Wow. If you could remember the biggest mistake you've ever made, if you could remember the worst situation that you've ever been in, or in fact your worst nightmare come true, all of that fades into insignificance compared to the situation of a person who does not know Jesus Christ. Uh, mankind was created by God to do life with God for eternity. But now, because of sin, mankind is dead outside of Jesus Christ. If you've ever seen one of those films of um, zombies or The Walking Dead, or that's the sort of picture that... Uh, the writer to the book of Ephesians is trying to create here. Basically, he's saying that people might be walking around. People might look as if they're alive, but on the inside, they're actually dead. And they're going to a godless eternity. An eternity outside of God's presence should be our worst nightmare. But God, despite the stench of our sin, because of his great love for us, has made a way for us to come alive through Jesus Christ. And he says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I was contemplating on these verses, and I was thinking, how much power does it take to bring someone who is dead and make them alive? What does it take to translate someone from dead for eternity to live for eternity? It took God's ultimate sacrifice to make a way possible to pay the price for our separation and then to empower us by His Holy Spirit. And no one is outside the reach of God's love, no matter how big a sinner you are or have been. While there is breath, there is hope in Jesus Christ. I remember as a young man going to university, I've been brought up in a Presbyterian family. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God for myself. And when I got injured playing soccer and God put out His Holy Spirit on me and healed me, in a moment, in a moment, as I gave my heart to him, I was translated from eternal death to eternal life. 
Now, apart from the euphoria of the situation of being healed, when I surrendered my life to God, in that moment, I, I didn't feel anything substantial on the inside. But the next day, I woke up different. The next day, I knew something significant had happened. All those scriptures that I used to hear as a kid in Sunday school suddenly began to come to mind, and they actually made sense. When I got up and went to breakfast that, that next morning, everything seemed different. I was viewing life through a different lens. You see, while I had been dead on the inside, suddenly I'd become alive on the inside. And although at the very moment of new birth I didn't uh, feel anything, it was obvious what had happened, and it's obvious that something incredible, something incredible had happened on the inside. We are only one prayer away from getting our life back on track with Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. It had nothing to do with me except for the point of surrender. And God answered my heart cry, and I came alive. But not only do we need a but God in that moment of salvation in our life, but we need to know that God loves us and believes in us. Uh, Max Licardo, in his book, A Love Worth Giving, tells the story of a couple of American high school buddies who joined the army together. They both went to the Philippines together. Uh, both were captured within a month of each other when Bataan fell to the Japanese in 1942. And uh, through the prisoner grapevine, one of them, Arthur, found out that his friend was near death in a nearby camp. So Arthur volunteered for a work detail. And when they passed through his friend Skinner's camp, he was given five minutes to find and speak to his friend. And he found him. He found him on the sick side of the camp in Zero Ward, a place that nobody ever left his friend at that stage was five and a half stone what's that about 30 32 kgs he had malaria he had amoebic dysentery he had beriberi and he had a few other tropical diseases he couldn't eat he couldn't drink he was basically walking dead although he could hardly walk when their time together was up, Arthur reached into his pocket and gave Skinner something that he'd been saving up for his own time of need. It was an incredibly valuable ring. And Arthur said, wheel and deal with this and see if you can get some, some help. And he then left not knowing whether he would ever see his friend again. You know... It's one thing to give a treasure to the healthy. It's one thing to give a treasure to the strong. But to give your best to the weak and entrust your treasure to the dying, that says something. It says, I believe in you. It says, don't give up. It says, 
Your life is worth living. It's worth saving. It says, I'm on your side. And that's what God's done for us. We were the walking dead, but God, because of his love towards us, gave us his greatest treasure, Jesus Christ, so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. When God sees you in need, when he sees you hurting, he only wants the best for you, but you need to stretch out and you need to receive from him. What happened to Skinner? Well, he picked out the kindest looking guard and he gave the ring to that guard. A couple of days later, as the guard walked past Skinner, he dropped a packet of malaria tablets. A day later, it was limes to combat scurvy. Then came a new pair of pants with some canned beef in the pockets. Within three weeks, Skinner was on his feet and within three months, he was taken to the healthy side of the camp as far as he knew, the only American ever to leave the zero ward alive. But God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. And then in Romans 5 verse 8 it says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, this month, we've got an all-in campaign. With God's incredible love towards us, our, our only reasonable response is to be wholly, wholeheartedly in love with him and serve him back. But not only do we see but God in our salvation, but we see but God in the circumstances of life. Uh, every book of the Bible is full of examples of God helping his people through the circumstances of life. We're, we're living in a fallen world and bad things can happen to good people, but God is there to help us through. I love the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through to 50. In fact, it must be really important when you consider the number of chapters, 13 chapters that are devoted just to this one guy. More chapters than perhaps to anybody else. Although Joseph came from a really dysfunctional family, I, wasn't, uh, I was going to get the kids in the second row to put up their hands as to how many of you have come from really dysfunctional families. But um, I thought their parents might be in the row behind them, ready to kick them in the backside if they did. But anyway, Joseph came from a really dysfunctional family and was less than perfect himself, but God was with him. And it says in Acts chapter 7, because the patriarchs, actually Joseph's brothers, were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into, into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. You know, Joseph's journey when you read it, uh, and I encourage you to do that. Just sit down and read the whole, whole of Joseph's story. 
uh, one time in one sitting and you get a really, really good overview of what's, what was going on. The reality is his journey was one but God after another. His brothers were jealous, but God blessed them. They wanted to kill him, but God kept him safe. He was sold as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him and blessed him. He was falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, but God was with him and blessed him even in prison. And even when he was forgotten by a butler who was supposed to tell Pharaoh about um, the prophetic powers that Joseph had, even when that butler had forgotten him, God hadn't. And at the right time, God had Joseph promoted from the prison to the palace. And finally, with Joseph as the number two man in Egypt, and his identity revealed to his brothers, Joseph says to his brothers, who were fearing payback from Joseph for their murderous intent, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to save many lives. And I suppose the, the, the New Testament equivalent of that particular verse would be Romans 8.28, which says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if you are a Christian here this morning, and if you love God, you can be assured that God can work everything together in your life. Even those things that the enemy has set against you to pull you down, to harm you, God can work them for good in your life. The history of Israel from their foundation to the present is one big but God. And your life and my life, while we have problems, our life's journey can and should be punctuated by but God's. You see, nothing's impossible to God. No circumstances is too big. No problem is too large. And in the game of life, you might be feeling as if you're facing a checkmate, but there's always one more move. And that is a move towards God. Uh, Jesus wants to be part of your everyday life. He wants you to experience him. And he wants you to know but God's when you encounter problems. And not just big problems, but the little things. The things of everyday life. God wants you to know his blessing in those. I remember as a newly married young man, Penny and I, like most young couples, were looking to buy a house. And so we were in Hamilton at that stage, and we looked around some houses, and we found out one that was in our price range, and in those days it was $30,000. $30,000 for a house. Believe that. And uh, so uh, we worked out that if Penny would work for another seven or eight years before we had kids then we could afford to have this house. So that's what we set our, our mind to. Penny and I would get up at 6 o'clock every morning and uh, we would pray and uh, we'd pray separately and read the word and have our quiet time. And uh, one morning, I remember just having the Holy Spirit just absolutely just download to me. And I came running out of my bedroom and uh, found Penny. I said, we can't buy the house. And she said, what? I said, God's just been talking to me. 
I don't know how I missed it. I said, if we save flat out for two and a half to three years, we can buy a house twice as valuable as the one that we're looking at, and we can have kids straight away. She thought, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so that's what we did. So we, we just saved hard out for two and a half years, uh, ended up with a massive government subsidy. They were giving a 50% subsidy on deposits in those days. We ended up with a house twice as valuable as the one that we were looking at. And uh, the day that we moved in, uh, I think it was about two weeks before that, uh, our oldest son was born, Peter. So God blessed us. But the reality is, because I had an ear to hear what he was saying, he was able to guide me and he was able to lead me in the little things of life, which actually was quite a big thing for us. Uh, Psalm uh, 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So you can be encouraged that God can guide your steps if you give your steps over to him. Over the years, we've seen God just do some absolutely amazing, miraculous things. We've seen people delivered from demons. We've seen the, hicks, the sick healed. Uh, I remember one time, uh, again, uh, this one was in Hamilton. A lady in my, one of my life groups um, had a massive stroke. Uh, she was in intensive care on a registrator. A registrator. <laughs> Respirator. Sorry, all you registrars. She was on a respirator in intensive care. The doctors were so convinced that she was going to die that they got her eldest son out of Perimurimo prison with a full police escort so he could be at her side and then make funeral arrangements. I got called up to Waikato Hospital. I prayed the prayer of faith. Three days later, she was released from hospital to go home. Just like that. But God. But God. But God. In 1984, one of Penny's sisters was in, in intensive care on a respirator after a massive o lithium overdose. The doctors had informed the family that she was just a vegetable and they were going to turn the respirator off the next day and so the family should be starting to make funeral preparations. When Penny heard this, she went into her bedroom and she began to pray and cry out to God. She said, God, don't let Liz die if she's going to hell. She was already all but dead. But God intervened and gave Penny a miracle. And when they turned off the respirator the next day, her sister lived. And she began to recover. And five years later, Penny led her to the Lord. And she lived another 32 years before she died peacefully. But God, but God, people may let you down. I've let God down. You've let God down. But God has never let Penny and I down. Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We sometimes struggle with the things that happen in life. 
We don't know why calamity happens in our family. We don't know why difficulties happen. But the one thing that we can be assured of is that God loves us. And his love towards us never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning if you will look for them. Thirdly, God wants to give you inner peace and strength. Psalm 73 verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart fail. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation like I have, where you just feel that everything is collapsing in on top of you, that you just can't cope with life. It's like everything is just folding in. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth, strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Two, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10 Eye has not seen nor ear heard the things which God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Have you ever felt down? Have you ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt fearful? Have you ever felt out of control? That is the inner situation that those verses are addressing. When things around about us are going wrong, when our personal world seems to be falling apart, that's when you need to refocus and get your eyes off the problem and onto God. Satan and his system is hell-bent on destroying us, but Jesus came to give us abundant life and to give us his peace. If you aren't experiencing that peace, stop and let the Holy Spirit Take control from within. Without the peace of God on the inside, this world will crush you. Those of you who can remember the opening scene in the film Titanic, you'll see a deep sea submarine uh, probing the depths of the wreck at 3.8 kilometers deep. Way, way, way too deep for, for divers. In fact, um, at 3.8 kilometers depth, the pressure would be over 5,000 psi. So you think about it. You, you pumped your car tires up to, what, uh, somewhere between 20, 26 and uh, 38 psi. All right? Imagine pumping them up 100 times more. What's going to happen to the car tire? It's going to explode. It's going to explode. That's the pressure. That's the pressure that is there at 3.8 kilometers deep. Uh, everything would be crushed for it. If you haven't got the right sort of um, submarine, there's no way that you can survive that. Submarines in the war, if they got too deep, they would just basically be crushed like tin cans. Uh, the amazing thing is that down at that depth, there are fish. So, so how do they survive? I mean, have they got skins that are a foot thick all the way around about them? Actually, if you're going fishing for harpoka, and you know you pull them up from a couple of hundred metres, 300 metres, uh, you know that they just basically pop to the, pop to the surface if you put them up really, really quickly, these big, big fish. Um, the reason why these fish survive is not because they've got thick skins, but they've got something inside them called a swim bladder, 
which equalizes the pressure. So they've got an equal pressure on the inside, the same as they've got on the outside. So when we're fishing for big fish really, really deep, if you pull them up and pull them up quickly, their swim bladder uh, expands and they just, they just float up in the end. The reality is they survive those incredible pressures because of what's on the inside of them. The pressure of the world is too great for us, but 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. You see, we got the pressure of the Holy Spirit on the inside, stopping the pressure from the outside and getting to us. God's given us that Holy Spirit and we allow him to take control. Then his peace will rule and reign in our hearts because God is for us. Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Let's have the musicians come this morning. Whenever you feel discouraged, I challenge you to do a search of but God through your Bible and look up those circumstances and the situations of life where God wants to let you know and encourage you that he is for you and not against you. That it doesn't matter what situation you are facing, there is a but God that's tailored just for you if you would look to him. And this morning, I know that there are people who need a but God in their situation. Some of you have been through real difficulties. Some of you are still facing difficulties. And you need to know that you are covered by God's love. But also, you need God to intervene in your situation to break through for you when you can't break through for yourself. Some of you have got kids who are away from God and you know that they need a breakthrough in their situation and circumstances and God has brought you along here this morning simply to inject some seeds of faith into your life so that you can stand in the gap on behalf of your kids and bring them before God and see a miracle happening in their situation and their circumstances some of you through the difficulties of life have been laid low but this morning God is encouraging you to get up and go again and trust that God will be with you some of you need healing nothing's impossible to God the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us He's the pressure equalizer. And more than that, there's so much Holy Spirit on the inside that Jesus said there would be rivers of living water pouring out from us, impacting people round about us. But also, there are people here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to God. You are headed for a 
godless eternity. But God has made a way through Jesus Christ for you to come to know Him. He's made a way so that if you would say, God, please come into my life. Please forgive me for all the dumb things that I've done that have hurt you. Please allow me to come to know you and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I would have the power to live a life that's pleasing to you. If that's your heart, God wants to answer that prayer. But God is so rich in mercy and He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you can be saved. He's done it all. We just have to reach out and receive it from Him.